You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, welcome into a Wednesday Locked On Balls, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Kane, at underscore Kane, on Twitter at Locked On Balls. You can find this podcast each and every weekday morning, wherever you get your podcast love. I've got a, uh, a link in my bio again at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. It's called a link tree. You can click on that and find this podcast in many, many listening platforms. I'm a radio host here in Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, and a writer and staffer for the VolQuest.com website covering Tennessee football and recruiting. And it's Tennessee football camp week, so we're going to have some different opinions from some people on the show today. But first, in segment number one, going to go over some camp notes and observations from practice number six. It was full pads from Tuesday morning, and I'll get you what I saw here in segment number one. Also, an audio clip from Dane Davis, who kind of sounded off a little bit with the media the other day, and that was the day after he joined us on this podcast. So what's up with that, Dane? But I want to play a clip that he had to say about this new coaching staff, comparing it to the prior coaching regime. In segment number two, I'm pleased to bring to the show Peter Burns of the SEC Network. He does ESPN Radio. He does Good Morning from around the SEC. I mean, he does a ton of stuff for the SEC Network. Of course, he's a studio host as well. I'll ask him his thoughts on Josh Heupel and the Tennessee football team, the quarterback situation entering the season 2021. That's Peter Burns of the SEC Network coming up in segment number two. And of course, we'll catch up with Josh Ward in segment three for Little Ward Wednesday. That is the rundown here on a Wednesday Locked on Vols. All right, so practice observations from Tuesday morning. Well, it was a full pad of practice the first time uh, this fall camp in preparation again for Thursday scrimmage. Health-wise, it looked like only Jimmy Holiday was off to the side working with the the, uh, the trainers while uh, media was present later on in the session. It looked like Javante Payton was a little banged up a little bit and going over there towards the trainers. He's kind of been nursing an injury of some sort. It's got to be minor, though, all camp long. because It's got to be minor, I say that, because I've seen him in there and going through drills and doing a whole lot. But I saw him banged up a little bit last week as well. So uh, those are of note. I want to point out Jeremy Banks was not at practice Tuesday morning. I've been told that it was uh, something personal with him. He'll be back. He should be back on the practice field today. Uh, that being Wednesday, so it doesn't look like there's anything going on there with Jeremy Banks. Expect him back uh, to come back today and practice with the linebackers. So, uh, again, w- when looking at the defense, I tried to spend some time over there with the defense because a lot of you guys are asking me about Deshaun Terry, about Kamal Hyden, about Brandon Turnage, about some of these, these Juwan Mitchell, about some of these new transfers onto the defense. And it's kind of hard to evaluate that because – now, we're there for three periods, one of which is stretching, okay, and then two of which are kind of indie. But the defense, when they're doing that, well, they're just doing turnover circuits the entire time. So really, just watching the way some of these guys move and take coaching and 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 you know the athleticism going over bags under the shoot, that's kind of the big stuff I can take away from the defense right now. Unfortunately, it's not like. Wednesday and Thursday of last week when we got to see eight periods. But uh, as far as Deshaun Terry, I watched him for a little bit. It looked like you know he's moving pretty well for his size. He's a guy that's lost a whole lot of weight. He runs with good pad, pad level and good lean, uh, completing the, the drills and the, uh, the the bag drills and the circle drills. So that's kind of my synopsis on Deshaun Terry. And, of course, you'll see more and hear more and really get to see kind of who's separating themselves from who as far as the defensive linemen are concerned after these scrimmages coming up on Thursday uh, and Tuesday. Uh, more from, you know, uh, Kamal Hatton and Brandon Turner, they were out there going through drills. They looked okay. Uh, same with Caleb Tremblay, the same with the uh, the defensive line. All those guys look like they're in shape and ready to go. Uh, Brandon Turner might be in a, in a, 
an outlier there because he, he wasn't going through summer workouts with anybody because it took him so long to to kind of find a home. He was a late addition. But you know, as soon as Turnage gets in shape, I do believe he will compete for snaps at cornerback along with Alante Taylor and and then, you know, Kenneth George, Kamal Haddon, Brandon Turnage, um, Warren Burrell, all those guys over there at that spot. And and you know, some of those guys will push Alante too. And and maybe some of those guys can move in and start repping at the nickelback spot. But right now it looks like that's Theo Jackson with a Danico Slaughter uh, right behind him. Um, as far as Juwan Mitchell's concerned, I mean, he's listed on the roster at six foot two, two twenty five. He might weigh two twenty. He's really lean, but he's very light. He's quick. He's got good sideline to sideline speed. But when I saw last week when they were doing some pop, some some drills, he would come up and pop a blocker, pop a uh, uh, pop pop a, a ball carrier, and so that's important to having a linebacker. And so those are a couple of observations I had. As far as the quarterbacks are concerned, it was Milton, Bailey, Hooker, and Mauer. Again, Milton, Bailey, Hooker, and Maurer. That was the order on Tuesday morning. It is the second day in a row that Maurer has gone up fourth while the media has been present. Again, there's a lot more practice outside of when we are there, but that's the second day in a row when Maurer has been out there going with the fours in terms of jumping up there for routes on air or for passes on air, stuff like that. Um, potentially, this four-man quarterback race has already been consolidated a little bit. That's just an observation from me. But again, like anything else, We'll know more after Thursday's scrimmage, okay? I continue to be impressed with Milton and Hooker. I thought I thought Milton threw the ball really, really well today. A lot of juice behind it, but some touch on some flag and post routes. Um, you know, that was for Milton Hooker again. He looked good throwing the ball from what I saw. Harrison Bailey, who I thought kind of had a down day on Mondays. A lot of high throws, a lot of behind throws. Thought he had a nice bounce back day, connecting on a couple of passes down the field. So, um, he just needs to tighten up on some of his throws to the boundary because a couple of receivers really had to make adjustments to go up and catch those, and they might have been out of bounds. So a guy that stood out to me was Julian Nixon at tight end today. He made a really nice athletic catch over the middle on a high throw from Brian Maurer. He was getting some uh, up-close and personal attention from Alex Golish in Monday's practice because, again, tight end, it's a thin position. Miles Campbell is a little banged up or a little under the weather, really, uh, on Monday's practice. Of course, Austin Pope's already been out. So even a guy like Julian Nixon, a former wide receiver who got here in summer, might have to be ready uh, to go. So uh, those are some of my observations from Wednesday's practice. Again, we're back down to seeing only three periods. We don't get to see an awful lot, but I know every little bit counts, and I know I want to relay that on to, uh, to you guys. So want to end segment number one. I'm going to end it kind of earlier, try to, because I want to get into Peter Burns. I want to get into Josh Ward coming up. But I do want to play this clip on Dane Davis. This is the day after he, or later in the day, rather, he was on our Monday show. He met with the media Monday afternoon and was asked about, what do you think about this new coaching staff and Josh Heupel? And then he kind of parlayed it into talking about the prior coaching regime. So give this a listen if you haven't heard it yet. This is Tennessee offensive lineman Dane Davis talking with the media on Monday. We love him, man. It's a complete culture change in the locker room. You know, everybody's wanting to come to practice now. Before, it was kind of, you know, kind of. You know, kind of dreading today, but you no, know, it's a, it, practice is fun now. Everything's fun. We're all we're all ready to be here in the morning. I look at it like a like a Monday. You know, like you go to work on a Monday, you don't really want to go into work, but there's no Mondays here, so it's all you know, just get up, ready to go. Let's go to practice. So it, it just it just wasn't fun being around here. You know, under the last staff, it really just uh, was agonizing kind of feeling, but. It's, it's very, very much changed now. Some comments right there, Dane. I wish you would have dropped that on my podcast. That would have been a whole lot of fun. But nonetheless, um, talking about how it was like Monday, going to practice every single day last year, kind of agonizing. And um, so, so some 
you know, some some harsh harsh words if you want to look at it that way. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I know Austin Pope said some things on Twitter about it because Dane Davis, he was, as we know, a preferred walk on. Jeremy put it put him on put him on scholarship and I don't know, maybe the two have a little beef or whatever the case may be, but I don't think Dane Davis is trying to take shots. I think he was talking up his new coaching staff and then inadvertently kind of talked about the, the prior regime as well. So I found that a little interesting. If you hadn't heard those comments, I wanted to relay those to you as well. That was from Tennessee offensive lineman Dane Davis. Okay, so we have Peter Burns of the SEC Network. He is coming up next. And speaking of the SEC, forgot to do this at the top of the show. I apologize. Y'all know about the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris Gordy does a fantastic job. You can check out SEC News five days a week with the Locked On SEC podcast. Peter Burns of the SEC Network. He is coming up next. But first, bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You guys know I'm a big Braves fan. One of my co-workers at the Sports Animal on the morning show, Tyler Robbins, he put a futures bet plus 330 on the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series well back, well back uh, before the season even started. He texted me today and said, hey, your Braves are rolling. You think they'll get the division? What's going to happen in the postseason? You can do all those future bets, and not even just the future bets, but the daily bets, the the totals, the over-unders, all that type of stuff at Bet Online this Major League Baseball season, but not just baseball, the NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, all that type of stuff. All that at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, I want you to head on over to Bet Online on your laptop, your mobile device. Check out the great sporting news. Sign up for the contest and the bonus. All that information is there. I don't want you to sit on the sidelines anymore. I want you to put your sports knowledge to use, get your head in the game, and prep for the teams as they make their runs throughout the playoffs. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, all by using the promo code Locked on. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just need that promo code locked on. Bet online. It's your online sportsbook experts. Segment number two kicks off with Peter Burns from the SEC Network. He stopped by the show and I asked him about Josh Heupel, this offense, the quarterbacks, and what we should be expecting out of this group in 2021. Here is Peter Burns of the SEC Network. What is your mindset for this Tennessee football team here year number one? Yeah, Eric, I mean, I, I think the the mindset for this team is much like the mindset I had for Lane Kiffin's first year at Ole Miss, right? Like, show me something fun, show me something different, right? Give me a reason to be energized about volunteer football. And, you know, while, you know, Heupel's not exactly the hype man when it comes to social media or winning the press conferences, I sure as hell know that he could call an offense, right? I mean, I remember when he was the OC and met him at Missouri back in, I want to say, like 2013, they crushed it, right? I mean, their offense was great overnight. And, you know, he's had obviously a lot of success over at UCF. So I think that's one of the reasons why Danny White, you know, when, when he got that gig, focused in on him knowing, hey, listen, let's let's go ahead and, 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 and get into a situation where we can find a guy that's going to you know, make it fun to play for Tennessee football again. I'm not quite sure how many people between COVID restrictions and, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's style of coaching had a whole lot of fun on that roster last year. I think that's why you saw a lot of turnover. So, you know, for me, I'm looking forward to like, I don't, I don't know how many games they're going to win, but are they going to play more enjoyable football, which builds a foundation to get some some damn recruits up the Knox? Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to you know a, a new brand of football and an exciting brand of football offense, that's what Josh Heupel is all about, of course. You know, it starts with the quarterback. There's a, a four-man a quarterback competition in camp right now. Scrimmages set to begin on Thursday, another one on Tuesday. So there's going to be some separation uh, in that quarterback room this time next week. 
But how do you see that quarterback position playing out? What do you like about Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, Brian Maurer, or, or Harrison Bailey? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea is that, hey, we're going to throw a bunch of guys in there and see, you know, what what goes. I mean, you know, Hooker was brought in under kind of the old coaching situation. Uh, you know, and, and at that point, you kind of wonder, all right, well, if you're hypo and you saw what you had on the roster and all of a sudden you're bringing in a Joe Milton, does that kind of tell you where you thought you were at um, uh, as far as, you know, there was room for improvement? So, you know, for me, I, I look at it as going, listen, I know Bailey's been there. I know guys, you know, uh, you know, Maurer's been there. But are you going to give an opportunity to Joe Milton to win this job? Because they're all kind of starting from scratch with Heupel's offense. So, um, you know, I, I would imagine that clears up after the first couple scrimmages. And frankly, I don't even know if Josh himself knows what's going on with that that room right now. I mean, I was baffled getting into this job um, of what I thought teams knew about themselves in early August and how many coaches over the last six, seven or eight years we've done this said, hell, it's not until like the week before the season, I really know who I can trust. And I think that's part of the fact finding that, that Heupel's doing right now. When you look at, uh, you know, tape of, of Hendon Hooker or Joe Milton, specifically Joe Milton, a big arm, you know, very athletic, can run, has that dual threat mentality and all that. And, you know, we're seeing that in person now going to camp and seeing these practices, but it doesn't mean anything if you can't upright in this offense that Josh Heupel wants to run this up-tempo scheme. When you look at the, the transfer quarterbacks in particular, you know, what do you like? And do you think that, you know, they could fit in easily in this scheme for Josh Heupel and what he wants to do? Well, I think the thing with Heupel is Heupel keeps it simple. And I, I think that's the one thing that instead of going out there and, hey, I knew that, you know, these guys have been here three years. I can install a bunch of that offense. He's able to say, all right, let's just keep it simple. Let's get people out in space and make quick decisions. And whether it be, you know, they're not asking somebody to have a PhD back there at offense, right? We don't need Greg McElroy running 2012 Alabama's, you know, offense, which, you know, by the way, or 2002, whatever the hell he, he actually won the title <laughs> back there. I know he's old. Um, you know, it, you should be able to assess that Matt Corral and Jeff Levy have had with um, you know, Lane Kiffin's offense. And I think that's kind of what, what this next scrimmage is all about. It's put some heat on these guys. Peter Burns of the SEC Network joining the show here. And, Peter, when you look at this defense, so much turnover. Of course, you have Henry Toil that leaves and goes to Alabama. You have Corvairs Crouch leaving to go to uh, Michigan State. DeAndre Johnson going to Miami, so on and so forth. A lot of turnover both offensively and defensively. But uh, super thin at the linebacker position, uh, thin at parts of the secondary. Tim Banks kind of has a deck of cards that's kind of stacked against him. What do you think the Tennessee defense is is going to be in 2021, and, and what do you think they should strive to be? I, I kind of feel like you know they might give up points and might, might give up yards, but if you can try to be aggressive and, and force a lot of turnovers, obviously that's playing complimentary football. Yeah, I mean, go back and look, right? Everybody was just punch drunk on Lane's la you know, first year at Ole Miss, right? Well, I mean, you go back and look at it, I mean – you and me could have played defense on Ole Miss defense, it felt like, right? I mean, it felt like yeah. kind of you were playing against air, like seven-on-seven seven drills, um, you know, back back last year, and yet everybody looks at that as a success. So, you know, again, if, if I'm looking at this defense, it's not so much about how many yards you're going to give up. Is that, hey, red zone-wise, you know, are, are, can you tighten up? I would imagine that's what they're looking at is trying to use the, as majority of their reps knowing, hey, listen, we're not going to be locked down defense but what we are can do is we can force sevens into threes right like we can at least do that and I think you know the best defense that Heifel is going to have is a ball control offense you know if this offense stays on the field it can kind of run that clock 
um, that's that's going to be you know the best benefit. So again, I, when I look at kind of expectations for Tennessee, I look at it and go, give me the the recipe that was Ole Miss football in 2020. Um, not great defense, uh, a really fun offense to, to to recruit to, and kind of build that foundation and, and also have a little fun like. It's got to be damn awesome to be, you know, representing such a great university like Tennessee. I mean, it's such a proud, you know, crazy fans, Rocky Top. You got, you know, Neyland's incredible. Like, have a little fun this year. And I, I think that's something that Hypo has been working behind the scenes a lot with the more team building more than anything. You know, Peter, you bring something up I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, kind of from an outsider's perspective. Uh, a lot of turnover here at Tennessee, really the last you know twelve to thirteen years. But uh, you're recently with head coach, athletic director, then head coach, athletic director, players leaving the program, a uh, program that's kind of under NCAA investigation right now. Kind of, what do you make up of of what Tennessee is right now? And, and obviously, from a perspective of a of a prospect, it, it's it's one that's you know it's kind of iffy right now, and it's hard to get those guys in house. Well, again, at the end of the day, prospects what they want to do is they want they want to win, right? And if you know, if you can't win right now, you want to be able to showcase that, especially in the world of name, image, and likeness. And that's why I'm really intrigued to see how Tennessee jumps in forward with it, because I'm not sure if there's a more passionate fan base than 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 the Vols, right? So, yeah. how do you tap into that, and and how do you say, all right, this this has some opportunities? I remember a couple of years ago when you know Butch Jones had him rock, and Tennessee had that edge about him. You didn't want to face him, right? Now, obviously, say what you want about that, that Butch Jones, but, hey, I mean, he had that team stocked with some talent. That's because they felt that they could do it. Um, and, I, and I think at that point, this is, a, this is still a program that should be ranked in the top 25 every single year. They, they have that much of a, a lineage behind them. But are, were they playing top 25 style of football? They were under Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt was running – you know, 1995, 2005 football. So, uh, you know, updated to the 21st century, have a little fun. And all of a sudden guys are going to want to say, all right, you know, I want to come play here. I want to be in front of these fans. So I'll have a little bit better time. And I think that's kind of the chicken or the egg conversation they're having. All right. Last thing I got for you, Peter, how long should this rebuild take? I mean, year one kind of change the brand of football year two, maybe improve defense. How long should this take? for Josh Hobble to get this thing rolling, trying to contend in the SEC East and trying to really contend in those rivalry games that you know Tennessee's been shut out of for the last you know five, ten years in Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but three years, right? I mean, the, this almost looks like a year zero because of, you know, COVID and, and last year and not being able to really kind of recruit the way that you wanted to recruit in the transfer portal. Um, but, like, you know, I mean, I think at, I think at that point you have – you have more of an opportunity um, to do some special things. So I, I would say three years. Now, I don't know. I think fan base talking to Tennessee fans now, Eric, and you know better than I do, I think they've had an unfair expectation over the last couple of seasons, believe it or not. And I think now we've gotten to the point where people understand, all right, this is not a snap your fingers. It's going to be great tomorrow. It's going to be great in 2023. And frankly, with the way the college football playoff is probably going to expand, that would be your end goal. You know, if we think this thing is going to expand by 2023, 2024, you go, what is our roadmap that gets us a berth in the brand new expanded playoff? Because frankly, I don't think Tennessee can do it right now if there's only four teams in the playoff. But you give them three years, and if the college football playoff expands, then I think that there's no reason why they shouldn't be at least in contention or that conversation for a playoff bid every year. 
A big thanks to Peter Burns for stopping by the show. We'll have Josh Ward coming up in segment number three. You guys know about Josh stealing all of my 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 Bill Bars, the nine delicious flavors there are Bill Bars, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's one for literally everybody's taste buds. And if you know what your flavor, favorite flavor is, say that three times fast, favorite flavor, <laughs> um, you're probably pretty passionate about it, all right? But if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get the mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Why are Built Bars so good and why are they so important for you? Well, it's Protein Bar. They have 17 grams of protein, loaded with protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs. It's for the health-conscious guy or gal that are looking to lose or maintain weight. It's 100% chocolate, 100% covered in chocolate. It looks like a candy bar. It tastes like a candy bar, but it's not. It is a protein bar for Built Bar, all right? Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use that promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order all at BuiltBar.com. And Homefield Apparel, guys, if you haven't gone ahead and gone to HomefieldApparel.com and check out the Vintage Custom Tennessee Volunteers Apparel, uh, you're missing out. What is Homefield Apparel? Well, it's premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college design. The Homefield Apparel team, they dig through the archives and history of your school where they find unique logos, mascots, and moments that make thoughtful designs for every Tennessee fan. That's us. Well, uh, it launched, the Tennessee the Tennessee version of this launched a couple weekends ago. Miami was this past weekend. I think Georgia's this weekend. And Tennessee's been one of the highest rated in terms of sales whenever they do the, these launches every single week. And and so that's that's to you guys. I mean, maybe you haven't jumped on board yet. Go ahead and do it right now to homefieldapparel.com and use that promo code LOCK15 for 15% off for new customers on your first purchase. But even if you have gone already, do it again. Do it again. And if you forgot to use the code again, it's promo code locked on vaults for 15% off your first purchase. Okay. They sent me three shirts. I love them. The Vol Navy, the Pride of the Southland Marching Band, and an Old School Smokey, man. I love them. My girlfriend loves them. Incredible. The Tennessee Collection, it has 15 pieces of apparel, including the t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks. All vintage marks you won't see anywhere else other than homefieldapparel.com. Again, new customers get 50% off their first purchase from Homefield with promo code LOCKEDONVALLS. Check it out today at homefieldapparel.com. A final segment left of a Wednesday, Locked On Vols, and we haven't heard from Josh Ward yet, so let's go ahead and get him in here right now. Former host of Locked On Vols, host of Sports 180 on the Sports Animal. Josh, how we doing today, man? Busy, busy times on uh, Tennessee campus with football uh, practice starting. Yeah, doing well. Three weeks to go, uh, coming up on it until Tennessee kicks off the season, and the next week is going to be really important, less than the next week probably, uh, for what Tennessee is going to ultimately be able to do when the season starts. So what have you seen? What have you been able to make so far of Tennessee fall camp? Uh, you know, it's week two. Practice number uh, seven is is officially in the books now or will be uh, here on uh, on Wednesday morning. I know just gotten pads the other day. First scrimmage is coming up tomorrow. But what have you been able to make so far of Tennessee football camp? Well, I think the biggest positive would be the attitude. And I think you can find a, a positive attitude at a lot of schools, especially when you have first-year coaches and you're trying to – get everybody on board, but sometimes that's easier said than done. And I think that players are legitimately excited about what could happen at Tennessee and are motivated to try to play well for this coaching staff. And this roster is a mix of players who are coming back from what's gone on 
the last few years. Some of these guys have been on campus for four to five years uh, with the allowance to come back for another year, thanks to the NCAA. But you also have a bunch of newcomers who have arrived and are competing for playing time. And some of those guys are going to play. You know, Tyon Evans at running back, Caleb Trimbley on the defensive line, Juwan Mitchell at linebacker. Those guys were recruited to come in as transfers. Evans, a JUCO transfer, but to come in and help immediately. And that creates competition at running back, at linebacker, on the defensive line. So overall, I think the attitude's good with what Tennessee is trying to get done. Obviously, competition needs to have some players emerge to be able to make plays. That starts at quarterback, but it goes throughout the roster. Yeah, you led me into it there. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. And again, I I don't think we're going to know much uh, really of – you know, who's standing out, what the pecking order might be until we get through at least tomorrow's scrimmage. And, you know, we can't see that. We'll see how much Josh Heupel wants to tell us following that scrimmage. But uh, there's not going to be much moving until we get at least through that scrimmage and certainly through Tuesday. Uh, if anything, I have noticed the last two days earlier this week on, on Monday and Tuesday, Brian Maurer was going last in terms of uh, quarterback drills and individuals. So maybe that part of the consolidations already happened. Maybe not. Maybe it was just a coincidence. But uh, what do you make of the quarterbacks? I mean, you know, from my perspective, and we've talked about it, I mean, you know, Joe Milton checks all the boxes on what you want in a quarterback. He's big. He's got the biggest arm. He throws hard. He's athletic. I think Hendon Hooker has looked really good this fall camp. Harrison Bailey's had a couple off days, but I think Harrison Bailey's throwing the ball very, very well. What do you make of this quarterback uh, battle here on uh, on Tennessee's campus? Yeah, I think what we know right now is what we knew a few weeks ago in terms of the player's ability and their experience and what they've done, shortcomings on the field to this point with what happened with Joe Milton at Michigan. I think part of the answer with you trying to come up with an answer or if I'm trying to come up with an answer or if uh, somebody listening to Locked On Vols right now is trying to figure out exactly what to think about the quarterback position is I don't think Tennessee's coaches know exactly what to think about the quarterback position. They know more than you and I because they're seeing more practice and they're sitting down and having conversations with these players. But we knew that Joe Milton was big and athletic with a strong arm. We knew that when he was a recruit. We knew it at Michigan. And he didn't perform well at Michigan. But can he perform better with what this coaching staff is trying to teach him and ask him to do within the offense? They will get a better idea Thursday when the team scrimmages and then again next week. And then I think they start to move forward to try to figure out, okay, who is this competition really coming down to let's have the last run and then get them ready a week to 10 days after that for a season opener against Bowling Green and then pit the following week. So uh, I, you know, I I come back to probably uh, Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker with Harrison Bailey still being an intriguing player to me, who's young and less experienced than the other guys. But uh, I don't know that we'll have a definitive answer when Tennessee opens the season, September 2nd against Bowling Green, we'll have an answer of who's starting, but, multiple quarterbacks can probably play in that game, right? Because Tennessee plans to put up a bunch of points and have a big lead. So there's a long way to go in this conversation, I think, for us and for the coaching staff. You know, it's it's something I've been trying to stress in in all the reports I've been given. And it's just like what you said right there. We already knew Joe Milton had a big arm. We already knew that Hendon Hooker is very athletic. We, You know, we've seen, you know, from Harrison Bailey last summer, but or last last, uh, season – but we haven't seen really any of these guys operate in this system. Yeah, we saw a little bit of the spring game, sure. But we, we don't know what Joe Milton can do in this offense. So it makes no – and, you know, Peter Burns said in the last segment, I mean, it makes no difference in the world if you can throw 70 yards if you can't run the offense. And so, uh, you know, that's something to where we as media, we have not seen enough. Now, we have people talking to us, absolutely, and we can report on that. But if someone's telling you, you know, seeing with your own eyes, I mean, they're lying to you because we haven't seen enough. And so – that's the biggest thing about this that's intriguing. Um, it's about this offense is so unique. 
it's got such a tempo. You've got to be, I mean, the the smarts have been um, indicated throughout by Josh Heupel, by Joey Halsey. You've got to have a quarterback that's smart and can, you know, the ability to process information. And so that's the biggest thing to where I think that it really is going to have to come down. I think there's three guys going for it right now. The coaching staff might have, you know, a guy they want to win the job, but certainly he's got to go out and do that over the next uh, couple of weeks. The most obvious reason for fans to be optimistic as we sit here and say, you know, who knows what's going to happen is that <laughs> we do know that Josh Heupel and his coaches have done a good job preparing multiple quarterbacks over the yeah. last few years in Missouri at UCF here in the last five years, they did a really good job. And that starts with Josh Heupel. And that's where the ultimate confidence is going to come from. And it, and it's not just about the quarterback position. I still want to know how good will this offensive line be? And Glenn Ellerby is a guy that's well thought of from what I hear with his ability to coach offensive line. That doesn't mean that Tennessee is going to have one of the three to five best offensive lines in the SEC, but if it can be better, more consistent than it's been the last few years, that should help the quarterbacks. If these receivers are in a better position to make plays and the quarterbacks have a, a better understanding of how to get them the ball quickly, let them do what they're able to, Valus Jones and Jalen Hyatt and some of the others with their speed, that's something that could make the quarterbacks better. And then there seems to be some growing excitement about what Tyon Evans can do in this offense. And we spend so much time talking about the quarterbacks and the yeah. passing game is obviously important, but they're going to run the football. So Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, if they can be productive for Tennessee, takes a little pressure off the quarterback. So uh, the confidence lies in the coaching staff. And if they're able to continue what they've done over the last few years at Tennessee, not to expect Tennessee to be one of the top two or three offenses in the league if that happens then hey at the end of the season you're really excited but to be better than where Tennessee has been the last few years that confidence I think is warranted it's like we could talk about football for three hours at a time oh wait we're gonna do that on Friday on Sports 180 so I'm looking forward to that I got two more for you we got to keep it brief because I've already kept you about six and a half minutes the offensive line you mentioned it right there I, I, I like this unit I like how it's coached by Glenn Ellerby but it's so thin at the tackle position and really it's thin at guard in terms of experience you know, in the last eight days, I didn't think Riley Locklear was going to be a factor in this offensive line at all. But you saw how important his retirement was a little over a week ago with the K. Ron Calvert injury. You know, depending on how they shuffle the deck. I mean, you're one injury away, Josh. And tell me if you disagree. You're one injury away to where Tennessee, you're in deep trouble on the offensive line. So you're not necessarily buying Glenn Ellerby saying nine or ten guys he could count on to start? Not quite. And also, when he says, I don't, I don't know who, who any starters are right now, I'm also going to say that Cade Mays will start if he's healthy. <laughs> Bold predictions here on Locked on Vols today that Cade Mays will be out there on play number one with the offense. Uh, I, I get what Glenn Ellerby's doing, though, and I think Tennessee's staff has taken an approach to try to build them up. Uh, I, I think Javante Spragans is a guy that this staff likes. The improvement, the the weight that Darnell Wright has lost, that is encouraging for what could happen. And Cade Mays, if, if he can be a really productive offensive lineman, a consistent guy for them to help lead the way, that's really good. And, and Cooper Mays is a guy that has a ton of potential on the offensive line. But we're still talking about guys, what they will be able to do, how can this line be shaped, and uh, you just you have to expect at some point injuries are going to occur. So, you know, the, uh, the emergence – here over the last few months of Dane Davis, I think helps. I think um, there are some other guys who maybe we're talking about right now, and we wonder what they're capable of that have been a part of the program in the last few years. Uh, Jackson Lampley on the offensive line, Kingston Harris. What are they able to do? Jerome Carvin. I don't think I've said his name, but he's a guy that ha has shown potential as a player. So they can be okay, but if they deal with injuries, then there could be some real concerns. And 
there are a lot of schools that might be saying that Tennessee is definitely one of them. Last thing, Josh, defense. We have not mentioned one thing about the defense so far, and it's tough, too, because, you know, when we're at practice, all they're doing is turnover circuits, essentially. Um, we did get to see a little bit last week, and I, I like what I saw in those inside run periods. But um, defensively, what do you make? A linebacker position super thin, a lot of competition in the secondary, which is good, and a defensive line that should be improved under Rodney Gardner. And if it is improved, I mean, the overall look of the defense will just look that much better because, again, you can't do anything without a pass rush. Yeah, well, tell me if uh, if I'm right here. I was on uh, the zone on Tuesday, and uh, they asked about the defense up front, and I, I said my biggest concern or question is probably Tennessee's ability to rush the passer because that's going to be just yeah. so important. And I, I, you know, part of the optimism would be, hey, Byron Young's a guy that's gotten some talk. Tyler Barron is a, a highly touted player from the 2020 class. So if you're looking for those second year guys to make a leap. Tyler would be an obvious choice. So you have some players to point to to say, hey, if they can lead the way, then it can work out. But it's just so important. They're going to have to be able to create pressure to do what this defense is going to be designed to, and that's to force turnovers or put teams in dangerous spots. Personnel-wise, my biggest concern is probably pretty obvious. It's where Tennessee is at linebacker, as uh, the, the leaders are probably Juwan Mitchell and Jeremy Banks. And getting Mitchell was vital because of the loss of Henry Toto and Quavars Crouch moving on and just the lack of depth there, period. Uh, and then Jeremy Banks, it's pretty wild to think of how important he is considering the conversation around Jeremy Banks the last few years. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's not difficult to point to the players that need to emerge because there aren't many to talk about when it comes to inside linebacker. That was Josh Ward. Big thanks to him for stopping by for Award Wednesday segment three check-in here on a Wednesday show. Big thanks to Peter Burns for stopping by, and most of all for you guys for listening to this episode of Locked On Balls right during Tennessee football a camp. Betting on the SEC, it doesn't have to be a guessing game any longer when you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast. It's hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. There, you can get the daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow... The Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Put a lot of work into it, trying to get those guys on, especially Peter Burns. And uh, I thought he said some really, really good stuff. I hope you agree as well. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody.